So I want to start with a question, and, and I'm sure that Wynne would correct me on this question. But where do you not have peace? Is that how you say it? When not do you have peace? When do you not have peace? Is that it? It's a good question. What is it in life that causes you not to have peace? We're thinking about peace today. Uh, we heard in the song a minute ago, the greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. I don't know. Do you believe that? Do you think that's worth more than anything else in this world? Yeah. Greatest treasure in the whole wide world is peace with God. When do we not have peace? Now, I'm just going to... You might think, I don't have peace because I can see the world scene and there's a war going on. And we don't know what's going to happen from that. You might think, I don't have peace because have a look at the government of Australia. Have a look at them. Or you might think, what about our local church? What about the church? Well, there's always peace in the church, so we don't have to worry about that one. Um, what, what about um, in my family? You ever have problems in your family? What about people I love? I don't know where they're at. What about um, my work? Uh, what about my body? It's going downhill. Turned 54 last week. And, or even more so, what about my mind? What about the stuff going on in my head? Um, what are, what's, what's going on? Yeah, what, what are the things that don't, bring us, that don't bring us peace? Where do we not have peace in our life? Now, this is kind of a two-part message. We're working our way through Philippians, as you know. Um, and the first part is talking about uh, issues within the church. And the second part is talking about uh, joy and peace and uh, prayer. But it'll make sense as we go. So I'm reading from uh, Philippians 4, verse 1, ESV we're using. Make it easy. Right, Okay. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, you Odia, you Odia, that bloke, and I entreat Sintiki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great passage? But we, we talk about the first one, Euodia and uh, Syntyche. I, I entreat you, agree in the Lord. That these are um, two people in the, the church at Philippi. Um, we're actually assuming they're, they're women. Uh, and, and, and he's talking to his true companion, uh, we don't really know much about these people. We don't know what's going on. We do know some stuff. Their names tell you, the type of names, you know how sometimes people's names tell you of their background? They're from a pagan background. So they're obviously people who were converted to Christianity. And Paul is telling them, agree in the Lord. 
They are his friends in the gospel. And he says, agree. Now, earlier in the letter, he said, agree, be of the same mind. Earlier, he talked about when there is divisions. He said, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord with one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but have humility and look to Christ. He uses that same uh, words there. So Paul's talking about disagreement within the church. He doesn't take sides. Did you notice that? He says, now, listen, you idea. You're going to need to... Yeah. Because uh, sometimes, as someone said to me just before the church service, I won't mention names, uh, sometimes you've got to say... He, this, this person, Ben, anyway. Uh, he says, <laughs> I did mention that. Just, it's, it slipped out. He said, you know, I was looking at this thing and I suddenly entertained the thought that maybe part of the problem is me. Yeah. It's a good thing for us to do, isn't it? In every relationship, now we're talking about Christian relationships here where there's disagreement within the church. The realisation that... Um, We are part of the problem, and we always are. No, no, sorry. You always are. (laughs) And I've always got it right. No, no. We are always part of the problem. Which problem? Every problem. Okay? That's how it goes. Okay? We are... That realisation will bring us hope, actually. While we're standing there going, it's obviously all you, and I'm right... That's called self-righteousness, self-justification. There's, there's actually no answer. So when Paul's talking to two Christians, he doesn't say, you're the problem and you're not the problem. He says, I, I, I implore you, agree in Christ, be one in Christ, look to him. Can you see what I'm saying? It, it, it's, uh, and he's talking, to, uh, he's talking to his true companion, which... I read up on this and people have lots of views, but the most common view is that this is talking about Luke, actually, because of the history of how they travelled around the churches. This true companion, he's saying, you know, he doesn't say, Luke, bang their heads together, give them a hard time. He says, I I entreat you, agree in the Lord. It's a bit like when Paul confronted Peter in Galatians 2, because Peter had gone back to law and he'd gone back to favouritism and things and Paul says I reminded him of the gospel how far he'd moved from the gospel he reminded him of the things of God Um, so Paul uh, uh, talks about this now the fact that he's talking about uh, two women is, is you see the church in Philippi was founded by a group of women uh, if you read about it, I will read you the beginning of the church in Philippi in Acts 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath day, we, that's we, when it says we there, that's Luke speaking. He's speaking about him and Paul and others, but Luke and Paul travelled together. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One Of those who was listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. 
So these, uh, they became the first, uh, the, the foundation of the church, Philippi, these women who were probably down at the river where they went to pray down, maybe they were washing clothes or whatever happens in the river in those days of getting water or whatever. Um, and, and they became the first converts of the Philippian church. And, and so now there's a disagreement come up and, and Paul says, help these women who have laboured side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He calls them to uh, unity. And did you see how he does it? He reminds them, your name's in the book of life. He, he, he calls them saints, basically. They're the chosen ones. They're the people of God. He, he says, now, if your name's in the book of life, by the way, you've got eternal life. You're going to have life forever with God in God's family. With the other person, too. <laughs> Both of you in the family of God. Can you see that? It's a good thing to get reminded of with someone, isn't it? Uh, are we talking about, oh, well, we better make them an enemy forever of God? No, we're talking about people within the family of God. Uh, if you have a disagreement, be reminded. You are talking to a person who is part of God's eternal family. You are disagreeing with a person who is deeply loved by God. And you are both saved by grace when you were sinners. Can you see the importance of that? You might be part of the problem. And you'll be in heaven together forever. So come back together, agree in the Lord. Put the things of Christ first and be reconciled. Um, I remember someone saying once, you know, in, in marriage counselling, they would say to the, uh, to the husband, you know, if you're angry with your wife or you've got a problem with it, just remember she's a daughter of God. So be a bit careful with that. And God loves his daughters, you know. Now, you can say the same back uh, the other way too. But just, just remember we're talking about the people of God here. Okay. The eternal nature of the church. That is the right reason to be reconciled. Because, you see, the same cross that restores us to God is the cross that reconciles us to one another. Does that make sense? I just want to jump to Ephesians 2. Now, he's talking about a different issue, but the principle is still the same. In Ephesians 2.13, he says, And now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Hold that thought to the end of the message. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He's talking about between Jews and Gentiles there by putting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. In other words, the condemnation of the law was destroyed by Jesus. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two and thus making peace. He is our peace. He restores people to peace and in one body reconciled both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So the same cross... That reconciles us to God, also it works out in reconciliation to one another. So Paul doesn't even argue about the disagreement that they're having. He doesn't mention it. You don't even get to hear what, you only get the hot goss. Because that's what we want to hear about. Yeah? When there's two people. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? Both of them. Okay. 
Now, this talks about people within the church. I just want to say this because Paul has been talking also about false teachers. They, they are not those within the church. They are the ones who have a different way of salvation by, by, by works in, in, in this case and who teach a different Jesus. But he's talking about those within the church. He calls them to the eternal nature of what God has done. Okay. And he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, or again I'll say it, rejoice. By the way, he's going to give us four commandments now that come from this, four in a row. Bang, 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 bang. First one is a command, rejoice. He's not just saying, if it feels all right for you, just do a bit of, have a bit of joy. He actually commands them, rejoice. Philippians, uh, I don't know if you remember when we started this book, we said one of the main themes of Philippians is joy. Rejoicing, joy, that's what it's about. It's a happy book. And, and Paul, throughout the book, reminds them, in every case, to the gospel of salvation that comes through God alone, through Christ alone. And he points them, it's also a book which is always on about the eternal hope. It's look, yeah, don't look at this life, look at the next. Look at what you're getting in Christ. Um, he pointed to the fact, remember he said, at the heart of this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay? So knowing that, you can have joy. You can truly rejoice. You actually can't rejoice until you know Christ. There's no joy there to be had. And we started also by saying that this is a book written by Paul who's in prison and he's facing a sentence which could be death or life. He doesn't know which is to come. It's about to happen, death or life. But you see, he has full joy regardless of the outcome. For me, he says, to live is Christ and to die is even better than that. So it doesn't really matter about whether the judge might say guilty or not guilty, death or not death, death or life. And it doesn't matter, you see, that's, that's not his problem. He has joy either way. If he goes on living, it's all about Christ. And if he dies, well, then that's even better. Can you see where Paul's joy is? And can you see by lifting your eyes from the, the things of this world, you can actually have that joy. Yep, because that's the answer to the joy, is to look to the eternal work of Christ for you. It's all good, because it's all him. Does that make sense? And that's Paul's joy. Look to Christ, and you'll have the same joy. Focus on earthly things, he said, last, was it last week or the week before? When you look to the earthly things, the things of this world, when you put your hope in the things of this world, you'll get distracted, you'll have worries, you'll have disappointments, uh, and it'll never, ever feel right. But the more that you're one-minded towards Jesus, the more joy that you'll have. And earthly pleasures won't tempt you out of that. Nothing can. Okay, verse 5 says, this is the second command. Let your reasonableness be known to, all, to everyone. Uh, reasonable, your reasonableness, your gentleness, your gentle forbearance. That's, that's sort of what the Greek word sums up. No one knows quite how, but it's something like that. Let your gentleness be known to all. Be on display the gentleness that comes from knowing Christ. Now, he's not saying fake it. He's not saying... I know you've got turmoil in your heart, but just act all gentle to try and convince people. You know, it's, it's like the Christian who's got turmoil then saying to all their friends, oh, I'm completely at peace, to the non-Christians, you know. 
Uh, just don't, don't fake it. Don't be a hypocrite. Find your gentleness in Christ and live in that and live that out before others. Does that make sense? The gospel doesn't give us fake gentleness or, or, or fake, uh, what's that, reasonableness. Of, you know, it, he actually gives us real joy, real love, real care, real servanthood. And he's saying, live in that. Now, again, if we lower our eyes to the problems around us, if we lower our eyes to the things of this world, we will lose that. But it's only if we look to Christ, as we look to the gospel, that we actually live it out. <coughs> the Lord is at hand. The, the Greek people, when you do Greek scholars, they don't quite know what to do with that sentence because it comes in the middle and they don't know if it's sort of, let your gentleness or reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord's near, or the Lord's at hand, or the Lord's near, the Lord's at hand, don't be anxious about anything. It just kind of, he just shoves it in the middle of a passage. It's a pretty important little bit. By the way, remember that the Lord is near to you. How near? Right there. Okay. Yep. Matthew says when Jesus, just before he ascends, he says, and lo, I'm with you till the end of the age. So Jesus is right there with you. Do you know that? Does that make any difference in your life that Jesus is right there with you? He is near right now. And that means you can live the life that you're living without, well, actually, he says anxiety. Because we can pray to the one who is with us right now. If Jesus is with you, you don't need someone else. You understand? He is everything. So the Lord's at hand, do not be anxious about anything. That's command number three. That's a hard command. I don't know. We had three daughters. We'd still do. And, 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 and at that moment of where everything's splurting out their mouth, blah, 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 all my problems, all my problems, you say, dear girl, stop being anxious. That's, that really works. <laughs> Not. <laughs> yeah. But Paul's saying, don't give in to anxiety. Now, remember, that, that's not a command that stands on its own. It's a command that stands within the whole counsel of what he said about being in the gospel. When you're in the gospel and to live, in, live as Christ and to die is gain, and when you, when you know that you have this view of heavenly things and not earthly things, then you actually won't have fear. Anxiety won't mark the way. Now, I, I'm not talking about uh, mental health issues and, and stuff like that, which we talk about a whole lot of. I'm not, being, I'm not having a go at psychologists or anything. I'm just saying this quite simply. When you know the Lord's near, when you, don't, when you have the gospel at heart, you can actually hear the command, don't be anxious and not be anxious. You can actually obey that command. It's a good command. You can actually lose anxiety. Isn't that good? Yep. How is that possible? Well, he's going to go on to say, pray. How is it possible to lose anxiety? Pray to the Lord who is near. He's your shepherd, remember? That's, that's, isn't that the, the Lord is my shepherd means he's right there with me. And he's, you know, you know that one there? He's right there. 
And he says, your rod and your staff comfort me. And, and the rod and the staff are, are guiding the sheep, you know, as the, as the shepherd guides. And it's a comfort to know that he is the one leading my path. And he's taken me towards the green pastures and the still waters. And he knows what's best for me. And the rod and the staff is the guiding. And, well, this one's for a bit, of a bit of a whack, but that's okay. A bit of discipline. But that's comforting too, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. So the Lord is at hand or the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Command four, pray to God. It's a good command too, isn't it? Yep. You know this God. You know his love for you. You know he's with you. You'd be smart if you talked to him. Yeah. Yep. Pray, that's talk to God. Pray. The word prayer, it's kind of this word of towards, this, this is how I see it. Pro is a Greek word for towards or into and psyche like it's in the soul. Towards the soul. It's like there's connection soul to soul with God through prayer. It's not just, we're not just talking about a conversation. Uh, as our relationship with God is like a marriage, there's this, there's this unity and this oneness between us and God. We're talking to our beloved. It's not, you know, yeah, prayer is a conversation. That's true. But it's a deep conversation. It's not just blah, 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 I'm talking about the, the weather and the farming and stuff with my mate. This is a deep soul-to-soul conversation with God. And in supplication, ask him. Ask him. And do this with thanksgiving. Paul says elsewhere, give thanks for everything. I don't know if we're very good at that. There's some, th- some things I really want to give thanks to God for. There's some things I don't. Yeah? I'm not sure if he knows what he's doing right there. Yeah? But you see, through all of this, he's saying... God sees and knows the whole picture. He knows your life. He knows what's going on. He sees it all. He knows it better than you do. In fact, he knows even what's best. For we know in all things, so all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called and so we're talking about for Christians. All things work together for good. His good and he knows and he defines that good. So therefore we can do this amazing thing we can give thanks without having to change God's mind, without telling him he's wrong. Um, and this happens, really, this whole section, although it doesn't use the word, is about faith. It's about trusting God, isn't it? Because, you see, by faith you can thank him for all situations. So Paul could say, if he's being true to his word, thanks God that I'm in prison. Thanks God that I might live or die. Trust him. Remember, Paul says, the righteous will walk or will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. How are you going to live? Are you righteous, by the way? This is talking about Christians. Christians are righteous. How, how righteous are they? We'll talk about this in communion, but 100% through Christ, you are 100% righteous. How are you going to walk by faith? What does that mean in simple terms? It means you're going to walk trusting God. Yeah, And when you trust God in every situation in life, there's something you're probably going to do. You're going to pray. Yep. 
You're not going to think, okay, here's this serious situation. I don't know what serious situation some of you face. Some of you will be facing serious situation now. What am I going to do about it? Well, I'm going to make a plan. And I'm going to fix it myself because I'm pretty good at this. Have you ever done that in an argument where you've had an argument, maybe with your spouse, that never happens in my case, but, and then you go away and you think, I've got the words that are going to fix this problem. And then you come back together and you say those words and they're not even heard. That's how good our fixes are about problems. Do you understand? We don't have the fix within ourselves by our own resources and our own wisdom. In fact, what happens when we look to ourselves in our situations is we get anxiety. We get worried. But to trust God is to say, only you can fix this. And if you know that only God can fix it, what are you going to do with it? You're going to talk to him about it. You're going to talk to the one who can fix it, aren't you? That's the prayer of faith. Yep, and when we don't pray, what does that show? Well, our trust in ourselves and not God. But he is near. He is listening. So, at your time of worry, at your time of great concern, we can pray to God. And he brings peace to our turmoil. This is the result of prayer, of faith. When you pray with faith, the result is peace. How deep a peace? The Lord is at hand. I'm going to go back and read the whole section so that you get the, this is how it comes. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? So we had four commands. Rejoice. That's a good command. Let your gentleness or your reasonableness be known to all. Don't be anxious and pray. And when you do this, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. A peace which... It's beyond understanding. In other words, you're not going to get to the bottom of it. You're not going to understand it. It just comes to you. It is impossible in this world. But it comes from God to you. You will get this peace. You can't create it yourself. He's also, through all of this, he's not saying... You'll get peace by having mindless uh, uh, meditation, you know, that look inwards and think about nothing and then you'll empty your mind and all that sort of rubbish. He's saying you'll get peace by thinking on something and it's concrete. It's the Lord Jesus and what he's done for you. And when you look to him and see what, and remember by faith what he's done, you will have a peace which is a true peace. It comes not by emptying yourself, it comes by thinking on the salvation and the life that God's given you through Christ. Can you see what I'm saying? You're hanging on to something, not nothing. It comes from trusting God. So when your life is turmoil, and that will be lots of times for all of us, trust him. Pray to him. Don't be anxious. Now that, in one sense, I could say, well, that's a, 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 a byproduct, but it's not. It's actually a command. Can you see this? Don't be anxious. Could you, could you believe that there's something in you when you're being anxious which is actually a little bit naughty, maybe sinful? 
Yeah? Because in your anxiety, you're not looking to God like you should. That's why it's a command. And this peace from God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your heart and your mind will be guarded, kept safe and secure. In a world that knows no peace, you will have peace. In a world which knows no security, you will have security. People in this world, outside of Christ, are always on edge because they're always holding it together and they don't know where to turn, but they make out they've got everywhere to turn, but they, make, but they don't have it. They have no real hope. They have false hopes, fake hopes. But we know Jesus, the only place of hope and peace. And no matter what we face, he is the king of peace. We can only know that when you trust in Jesus and your name is written in the book of life. It's such a concrete thing. It's like God's got this pen that doesn't rub out and he doesn't have liquid paper. Yeah? He puts your name in his book of life and there it is. It's like, it's there. Isn't that good? Think about that. You're in the. Do you trust in Jesus? Your name is in his book. So you can have this peace, which can't be understood, but it can be known. It can be experienced through Christ Jesus. So you have it through him. So pray him, pray to him, thank him, love him, give your life to him. He's everything. I started by saying, where, where do we not have peace? In a world where there's war? In a world where Jesus rules over the nations? Over all of the nations. Whatever happens, war or no war, he is ruling. Do you know that? And he's the king of kings. We talk about Australia. He's the king of kings. He's the prime minister of prime ministers. Do you know that? Yeah. He's in control of Australia. How good's that? And he's the head of the church. And he's the saviour of the church. And he loves the church. He's even the head of your family. Father of your family, actually. He loves family. And he's in control of your body. Do you know that? And one day we'll have a new body. Yep. Can you see? Trust him. Peace comes from him because, what did it say? He is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Or in John's Gospel, Jesus says, Peace I give you. My peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. I'm talking about what the world says is peace. Not as the world gives do I give peace. I'm going to give you a peace which is beyond all understanding. And it comes through me. It comes through him. I hope this is helpful. And and as uh, Christians, you know, we live our whole life working this out, don't we? And we stuff it up sometimes. It's a funny thing that we... Yeah, I don't know if you, you know those. It's three in the morning and you've got these worries and problems and then it's four in the morning and they're still there and then it's 4.30 in the morning. And then at 4.37, you think, I should pray about this. And at 4.39, you're asleep. <laughs> How is it? You know that, don't you? you? You've experienced that. Yeah. He is our peace. Take it to the Lord in prayer. We're going to sing that song in a minute. Oh, what peace we often forfeit.
Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we don't carry everything to God in prayer. That's what it's about, isn't it? I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us through Jesus, your son. We thank you for the the surety that he's given us. We thank you for the rock-solid foundation that we have in our lives because of, of your love and your grace and your mercy shown to us. We thank you that through the cross you have reconciled us to, to yourself. And uh, Father, we think of our lives and we think of uh, the unreconciliation that we have with others. And uh, Father, pray that uh, we as Christians could learn to look more and more to you and for the restoration that you alone bring. Pray also for um, hearts of faith, that you would give us faith, that we would trust in you, that we would turn to you, uh, that we would pray to you, that you would lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit in prayer, that you would remind us again and again of what we already know to be true, that peace comes from you and you alone. Father, I pray that you would teach us to be mature as we trust in you. That this would be a reality in our lives that we would live by faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.